Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Today, Laura Boyd is coming back as the guest co-host, and we're going to be talking about dealing with difficult people. (laughs) We have a real life example that happens, so we're going to go into that. But one of the things that I want to preface is that Difficult people is something that we all get the opportunity to experience. And so how do you handle that? What's the cost to you? And I want to invite you to think about that as you go into the show. And I will circle back with you afterwards. All right. So Laura Boyd is here and we're going to talk about how to deal with difficult people. Sometimes those difficult people are difficult (laughs) co-hosts. There's a backstory to us showing up today. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, I I truly believe I've never been told I'm a difficult person to work with until today. So (laughs) co-host or not, that's me. Difficult. Well, I do like to start on time and we are 40 minutes late. (laughs) Yeah. No, 45. Let's be clear. 100% my fault. I own it. I own it. (laughs) Difficult. Right out of the gate. See, I'm trying to give us some good fodder for conversations. It's working out great. It's working out great. That was my intention. (laughs) So yes, difficult people. Here's the thing about this. And maybe it's because I've just been doing this for so long. I can't even remember how many years, but I've been doing it for so long. And this would be a bit more stressful if this were live. It's only stressful right now because I'm going to have my college daughters wanting to come home soon to eat breakfast after lifting weights. So I have to deal with, you know, hangry athletes. How would you say my stress level was on, on the delay of this stuff? Like a one to 10, I would say probably a two, if that. Okay. Yeah. Quite impressive, <laughs> actually. And I'd be totally fine until I realized like, oh, crap, my daughters are going to be coming home. They're going to want to eat soon, which will be problematic for our recording. Now, what was your stress level like? Uh, Like a nine or a 10. (laughs) Because this is outside of my norm. I'm frustrated with technology. I'm frustrated that I didn't have this figured out. I I literally came into this thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be so prepared. I had both computers. I was all ready. And then nothing worked. Nothing worked. (laughs) So then I became a difficult person. (laughs) Yes. So I don't know how I got that way. But it can be difficult because if I had this belief that we were supposed to roll in, and I do, like, you know, we roll in, we start, get started, we get going. But I knew holding on to that wasn't going to help you. So I was like, okay, it's fine. You figure it out. Find the cable to your microphone. It's not a problem right? And one of the beauties of doing this show for so long, and especially back in the days when I was live radio, is that I had to develop an agility to handle whatever was happening. So if it was, you know, I lost a connection with a guest, or if if we were in person in studio, and there was a baby, because I wanted this guest to come in, and I made that decision to allow that, you're going to deal with that. Or Michelle Woodward, I can't tell you how many times she'd be on my show and her dogs would start barking and I would just let it be like, this is real life. We don't need this polished version that we're always 
beating ourselves and comparing. So I was totally fine about it until I realized that there is a bit of a time constraint on my end, not because of me, but because of the other people, right? But we can still make that all work. But this is a great example and I wasn't expecting it, but maybe this is why, Laura, this all happened. Everything happens for a reason, Corinne. <laughs> just go on with that and I'm just saying it out loud. You get to be called a difficult person and we get to talk about you. <laughs> we get to use you as a case study in our discussion today. Excellent. I love it. I love being a case study. You know what, though? I think that's so true. And actually, I think when when we talk about this pandemic and, you know, now we're dating this this podcast, but it's so interesting because I think that the pandemic has actually allowed people to be okay with those kinds of things that happen in their lives that are impacting their lives. Because we've kind of had to, life has just had to be family and technology and people and all of those kinds of things. And I think people are just a little more okay with things like that. So I wonder if that's helping difficult people because then you're seeing a little bit more about them. You're seeing them in a different environment. It gives more humanity, doesn't it? Right. Authenticity, mm-hmm. vulnerability. Because mm-hmm. you're really being seen. Right. Right. Here's Laura who has her shit together. Who's this badass. But then she's like missing the cord to her microphone cable. Right. Like, and I'm like, there's a cord and she's trying to find it. That's why her office is a mess. <laughs> But it's all okay. I just don't like those are the things that are so unimportant because I know we're going to have a good conversation. My production team may not be as happy with the sound this week, but we're going to get better, you all. We're going to get better. That's the way I kind of handle all this stuff is it doesn't have to be a home run out of the gate because that's not sustainable. It's going to be we're going to continue to revise and get better. And that's the only way I've been able to have the show. Again, I don't even remember how many years it's been now, but well over a decade. Yeah, I would agree with it. And actually, I was just having a conversation with my girlfriend this morning on that same topic, if I can just go down there, because I think it's interesting. I was talking about the first podcast, not the very first one, but the one we did last week. And I said, we had talked about it. I, I don't know if that was our best conversation. And so she said, you know what, Laura, actually, at the end of the day, when you look back on everybody's podcasts and all of their stuff, if you look at their very first year or six months, they're not great. But then when you look, you know, two, three, four years later, they're really, really good podcasts. And it's the same exact thing that you're talking about. We go into things thinking they have to be so perfect and they end up not being that way. And I think for us to be okay with that helps us to not be a difficult person. Mm -hmm. So I think that perfection thing is one of the ingredients that create difficult people. What do you think? Yes. Now that's interesting because I struggle with that because I'm a recovering perfectionist striving for excellence. How is that? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I struggle with that because it, it's a dichotomy because I think that perfectionism, it pushes us to be a certain way and to excel at things and really test out things. But then it also makes us self-gladiate or makes us negative self-talk if we don't hit it or not take the challenge. I don't know. I'm actually in the middle and I've been thinking about this for a long time. I don't know if perfectionism is a good thing or a bad thing, right? So difficult people in my head is like one that doesn't try new things, never will, and is over on this side, or one that is on the other extreme. 
So I kind of like the moderation component of it. I think that that makes you be more uh, less of a difficult person. So when you say doesn't try new things, why do you think they don't, people don't try new things? Because they can't be perfect at them right away. It goes back to Dr. Carol Dweck, right? And the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. I love all of the pieces of that because it's so true. Like, I don't want to try something new if it's not going to be right. Mm-hmm. Well, then we well, wouldn't have all these innovations. Exactly. But one of the shame shields and the shame shields are the ways that we disconnect from shame is to hide away. So when somebody is not trying to do new things, they have to look at what's underneath that. Is it because their capacity is tapped out or is it because they're afraid that they won't do it right? They won't, it won't be good enough. Yeah, I could see that because I think, well, that's what shame is all about. And here we come. And once again, back to Shay. I know. <laughs> I go back. To how, how many uh, coaching sessions have we had together? And it always comes back to shame. That's like the core of <laughs> it's the core of everything, because it also makes you become a difficult person, too. Because who wants to be around somebody that is constantly in shame? Or who well, wants to be ha- around somebody that's sharing their shame or telling people they should do this or they should do that, or it's the responsible thing to do. Oh, you're not being responsible. Well, so that the should is the judgment, right? So they're either armoring themselves up or they're putting up shields. So we're getting disconnected from the people we want to be with. Right. And what it comes down to is we want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to belong, right? We want to be accepted for who we are, but we're so afraid that we're not enough. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not doing the bot, you know, the podcast, well enough, it's not valuable enough, there's constant judgment. And that becomes a barrier instead of allowing yourselves to authentically show up. And then, so how does that make them difficult? How do you think that that helps? When one armors up, they're in a place of judgment. So they'll judge other people or judge themselves. And so sometimes like in the workplace, like think about how hard it is when you're dealing with somebody who's so judgmental and they're like, this isn't possible. It's not going to happen. Right. And just to get them like my version of my metaphor is to get them to the starting line is a lot of work, right? Because there's all that resistance to overcome. And one of the things that I know is I'm being so tired with COVID, not me personally, but just this experience, right? Of in dealing with people with a lot of resistance of just getting them to that starting point. I don't have as much capacity anymore, right? So when people, that's one, one way that I find people being difficult because they may not have the confidence, the belief in themselves or the willingness to just, hey, let's try this and we're going to come and learn from it, right? And let's be open and curious. And this goes back to what you're talking about with Carol Dweck because a growth mindset is, let's go learn. What can we learn from this? Instead of, oh no, this is may show who I am or who I'm not, right? And that concern. I hadn't thought of this before when we were talking about doing today's show, but I do think a lot of the difficulties that we deal with in the workplace has to do with perfectionism, that the people are trying think that they have to be perfect or it has to look a certain way or it has to go a certain way. And if it doesn't, it's going to be a disaster instead of like, you know, again, we'll use you as an example. I know you love that, but the microphone's not working. We, we tried a couple of different things. I wasn't too worried about, well, I wasn't actually at all worried about it. I'm more worried about trying to figure out how to get to Mexico. And you're, you know, you're going around (laughs) figuring out, I was like, that's fine. Like, okay, let's try this or try a different computer or let's try these AirPods, right? Right. 
where I was willing to say, try this, try that. And it wasn't until all of a sudden my brain went, wait a second, you do have a time deadline, Corinne. Because I even checked in with you at one point, right? I said, what's your timeline? Because I said, my time is fine. I'm, I'm totally open, which isn't normally the case for either of us, but it, that was the case this morning. So I'm, again, I'm like really relaxed until I figured out about the ripple effect to my daughters, right? And then having to deal with the repercussions of hangry adult athletes. <laughs> right. Which is a scary thing. But I actually think that's that's the workforce too, if you think about it, because I don't know of an organization that isn't on a time crunch all the time and needing to do production. And and I hear that all the time with my clients, like we don't have time to dilly dally. We don't have time to learn new ways of doing things. We just got to get this out. And so I think that's what makes them a little more difficult leaders, essentially, if I'm looking at the leaders. But I think that they're under this time crunch and they're not allowing for conversation even just to check in. Like you checked in with me. You said, okay, how are you doing on time? They don't even ask that because they all, they almost don't want to know because they don't have time to even have the time to be okay with not having time. Well, and it also gets back to the decision fatigue, right? It's like, Oh, can we do it later? Do we even want to open that vulnerable conversation? Cause one of the things that I asked you, I said, okay, well, should we do it? Because we had had a different time slots, two different time slots that we discussed. Should we do it later? Because I can go back to that time when I know again that I won't have hangry adult children in the house, right? And maybe your son will be around to help you with the back end of the technology. And the problem is he's not going to be home yet. And so it's like, well, let's just get it done. And then we're going to see and we're going to learn of how is the sound quality? How can we do it better? And that's, I think, one of the things that by me living and doing this work and really being in this work myself is being okay and with today doesn't have to be a 10 in terms of audio and in terms of all this stuff, as long as there are nuggets of insight for the listeners out here to get value. And sometimes it's even like, I get this a lot too of, oh, Corinthians was shit shows too. And it's like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I don't live in a promised land, but there's that common humanity piece of like, oh, I'm not the only one. Cause so often we think, oh, because you and I are in a podcast, we have it all together. We don't have the problems of the other people who are the listeners. Right. And that's magical thinking. Cause that's not the case, but it didn't take what to me to ask you like, okay, checking in with you with your time. That didn't take that long. Right. Like you were still trying to find different chords and then to say, Hey, can we do it? You want to do it later this afternoon when we had discussed and then realizing like your son won't be back to help with that. So then like, let's just try this and see how it goes. And with the intention that we're going to do it better next week. There is a promise of doing it better next week. So that's mm-hmm. beside the point. But it, it's interesting because even with that, I now I've, I've coined myself as a difficult person. <laughs> Because I'm like, oh my gosh, I became a difficult person. So it's perfect for our conversation today. But I, I do think, and I still think though, that people become difficult. I think perfectionism is part of it, but it's self-perfectionism. I think we put mm-hmm. a lot on ourselves versus somebody else, like you having expectations of me being a technical wizard. But moreover- I have no expectation of that. <laughs> it was just a matter of plugging something into a computer. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but I think I, I think that more of our difficultness 
comes because of ourselves. So we place those expectations on ourselves to be perfect or to do things that might seem perfect. Now we have expectations and then we've got leaders that might lead more in a traditional manner. And that's frustrating too, but. So here's what I counter you because you, you said something about you now seeing yourself as a difficult person. I actually gave you that title. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. (laughs) But as an example, because like, this is how people get labeled difficult, right? Like we have an agreement to a meeting at a certain time. There's a delay of 40 minutes. Like I had a choice. I could get really pissed off and I could have a story in my head of, oh, Lori doesn't respect my time or she's not prepared. Like I know you're prepared. I know this isn't like your comfort zone in terms of, well, podcasting is not your comfort zone anyways. And then we add the technical aspects of it. It's not your comfort zone. Like, okay, I don't need to get caught up in any stories that might, and I didn't have that story, but that those are the stories that happen so often, right? How many leaders or how many people walk in and go, oh, they're not respecting my time. They don't value me. Like they're already not making a generous assumption. So here is an example, I guess, where I did make a generous assumption. I'm like, oh, okay, she'll figure it out. It's okay. We have time. I I just wasn't worried about it. Like I can just be calm because ultimately what's the cost to me? And the other side is I have the perspective of it's not live radio. Yeah. And I have the experience of, you know, the first time I interviewed Brene Brown, like over 10 years ago, we had dead air for two minutes. Right. And there was a lot of stress leading up to that show because she was supposed to call into the station. Cause back then I, when I finally let go of my own control where I would have the guests call in, cause I used to always call them cause I wanted the control. But when I, and so she was calling in, she didn't call me, call in 10 minutes before. And I finally called her and she's like, Oh, can we like push this back like 20 minutes? I'm like, this is live radio. She's like, well, I have all these contractors at my house. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh. I said, and so she, she wound up calling back. And back then my rule was no cell phones because the audio quality is not very good with cell phones. Well, we had to make do because it was live radio. She's calling me on her cell phone. She's in her car, you know, and we're, we're going through it. And then afterwards we talked for a whole long time and she was in her car. Then she moved to, uh, I think underneath her daughter's bed. And then she was in her closet. Like she kept moving throughout the interview. I think probably because it was too hot to be in her car in Houston, Texas, you know. Right. right. <laughs> so, but, you know, so I show up with a lot of experience and a lot of stories. I'm like, well, there was still great content in there, regardless of what was happening or what happened, the shit show that happens beforehand. Right. So I have that in my experience so that when I'm dealing with, with, with quote, difficult people or difficult situations, I'm like, okay, we'll figure this out. It's all okay. Plus, the only way for me to get through, I guess it's going to be 15 years come this fall with my show. The only way to stay on the show for so long is to realize that there's going to be issues. And it's a podcast and it's free form. And that's the way I like it to be. It's real. It goes back to common humanity. So for those of you that are listening, and if you are dealing with a perceived difficult person, one is check in with, as Laura was saying, what are your expectations of them? My only expectations really were we were going to do this show, right? We were going to do this conversation with each other. We want to get it done in a reasonable time frame, just because of some of the constraints for, and for both of us, right? Because we, neither of us have all day to be sitting here. We've got other stuff to do. 
So those are my expectations, not, not that you would have the technology together. Right. And of course I come in with my own expectations too. And being a somewhat overachiever, my expectations are pretty high. So I had somewhat those over, same issues. Somewhat, wait, wait, somewhat overachiever. <laughs> Maybe we need to own your story. <laughs> I, I am a somewhat overachiever. I wouldn't, I've worked on that. Everything's recovering for me. I'm recovering everything. Uh, going back to Brene Brown, though, it's so interesting because I think when you think about difficult people, it, it, when you were talking about her, it was interesting because it brings me back to the Dare to Lead book. And she talks about what if you thought people were doing the best they could? So we put this label on that they're difficult people, but what if they're doing the best they could? And so like for Brene, she was doing the best she could. She has contractors there. She couldn't use her landline. So she had to use her cell phone. She's trying to figure out, I'm going to go in the car. Oh my goodness, it's way too hot. So now I got to go into the closet. You know, like all of those things. She, What if you changed your paradigm to say she was doing the best she could instead of perhaps having a different story in your head about that she wasn't respecting your time or not that you had this, but you know, like those kinds of things, or she just didn't understand live radio or whatever the scenario is. So I I think that that's really important when we're thinking about difficult people. I think if you shift the paradigm to say, are they doing the best they can? What if we truly believe that this was the best they could do? Mm -hmm. And with that situation, like, again, I had a belief, of course, you want to be there, right? And there were just some obstacles. And so for me, it was, okay, how do we make it all work? And we had great content. Like my goal is always about what is it that I want from that experience? Like what is the intention that I'm establishing? How do I want to use this to serve my audience, right? And so in this kind of relationship where it's a show, it's not about me. So I don't take it personally. But I think what creates more tension in workplaces or in families or with friends is when we personalize it and make the other person's behaviors about our own worthiness, right? Or like we know that shame is highly contagious. And so you're recovering overachiever and you're, you know, if you're getting like angst about this, you know, and I start to take that on. And could you imagine if I was like, well, you know, Laura, why aren't you ready? you said you'd be ready at eight. Why aren't you ready? Like that would not help you stay calm. Tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, it would not help me because I was already above. I was at a nine. Mm-hmm. So then it would just exasperate the mm-hmm. scenario. So this, <laughs> we're talking about like all the concepts that I talk about on the show, but like me being responsible for my energy, right? Like I could see that there was all the stuff going on with you. I was like, okay, we have time. She'll figure it out. I have confidence. We're going to make this work. Like I'm so committed that we are going to do the show no matter what, right? Even if that means you sound like you're in a tin can, we're going to do the show, right? We will do the show and we will continue to work and revise it and make it better because that's how we grow and learn. When, when people aren't committed to finishing it out, that's when I call what they off ramp. They'll be like, forget it. That was horrible. We're never going to do that again. Like, no, that's not the, we've got good stuff here to help people and help the community here. So let's get in there and do it. Right. There are certain areas that these are, I have these great skill sets to do this. And then there are certain arenas in my life (laughs) where I totally abandon it. Like with my family. (laughs) Right. Right. And they appreciate that. (laughs) 
Well, they don't. I'm like, why are you being difficult? Stop being difficult. <laughs> I like that you put it on them. Stop being difficult. <laughs> well, maybe I don't even call them being difficult. It's like, why don't they just do what I expect them to do? <laughs> yes. Well, and we both have teenagers and I almost have a 20 year old, so he will no longer be a teenager. But when you think about kids in that capacity, it's like, why can't they just do what I want them to do? Well, because they mm-hmm. have minds of their own. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. <laughs> we've, we've built them to be like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, but when I say something, I want you to listen. I want you to do what I say. But <laughs> if other people say something, I want you to question it and ask why. <laughs> and it's the same concept even in business today, too, if you think about it. Because mm-hmm. we can teach things to people on our team. And then all of a sudden, they question us. And we're like, I basically just developed you to be the strong leader. And now you're questioning me. And so instead of me taking that personally as a leader, I need to go back and say, that's a great point, mm-hmm. right? And encourage that. So maybe sometimes our difficult people are really just, they have strong personalities and they're asking questions that actually might lead us to something better. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just shifting our paradigm a little bit to, mm-hmm. to be okay with that. It comes down to, I mean, not that, I mean, people can be difficult, right? Like they absolutely can. They can show up. They can, you know whether they're throwing the tantrums at work or at home, that that is just what happens. And we're seeing a lot of behavior that's just not constructive, right? It's not helpful. People aren't being responsible. And a lot of that's just the fatigue of what's been going on the last year and a half. But it, there's also a part, like, what's our part? Like, what's the lens that I'm looking through, right? So my lens, while I labeled you that, I didn't think you were difficult. I'm like, this is just what happens. And because, again, part of it is I have so much experience doing the show, I don't worry about it, right? And I try to build the other thing. uh, This is really important, too, because I also build time around a show. So if I only did it where it was back to back, like, okay, I only had 45 minutes and then I've got this next thing, that's when I would not be as calm because time for me is a big trigger for me to be judgmental because scarcity of time is my shame. It's that's where it can be. Shame can come up for me is scarcity. So I just build like, in like, I think we talked about this last week of like, okay, so for this much time on the air, we're going to book this much time out. So we have some flexibility. Right. And then this morning when I realized like, oh, we're actually eating into that time. How are you on time? And being willing to ask those questions. Here's something else that's really interesting. I have no problems asking a question, but I often find people when they're, especially when they're dealing with difficult people, they have a hard time asking questions. Do you see that? I do, but it was interesting as you were talking, this resonated with me because I talk a lot about trust and I think you and I have a relationship where we trust each other. Mm -hmm. And so we know that there's positive intent on both sides. So Mm -hmm. by you asking me that, or by you even labeling me difficult person, (laughs) I trust that that's not truly what you mean and your intent is good. And I think that when you start having these kinds of conversations or when you're starting to ask questions or labeling somebody and you don't have that trust, that's where things get really mucky. And that's why I think trust is the foundation of, of so much. Because if you don't have it, you can't have an honest conversation. 
then there's no compassion, right? And it's hard to be curious. So we talked about this yesterday too, but just, you know, trusting yourself, like how much trust do you have in yourself to be able to ask that question in that relationship? So even my husband, I was joking with him yesterday and I said, he he said something that could have been perceived as minimizing something. And so when I said that to him, he said, but that's not what I mean. I said, you don't need to worry about it because I know where your heart is and I know what your intent is. So I didn't take it that way. And he was like, oh, wow. But that's the kind of trust, you know, if you have that with people, you can say that. Like this hurt me or what you said could have been misconstrued this way, but I know where your heart is. I know where you're coming from, that that's not what you meant. And I'm just going to own that. Like, I just know that that's not where he was coming from because he would never do anything to hurt me. Right. Well, and I need to circle back on a conversation I had. It was, you know, one of those quick sidebar conversations that you have and where I just flippantly said something. But it wasn't, and you know how picky I'm about the words that you use. And I need to circle back with the person and say, this is, I need to want to just own it and apologize and say, this is actually what I meant. So that it's clear because the way I said it was just a bit more callous. Because again, there wasn't much time. And I, it was just something we were talking and I just put something out there. And the it may have landed fine with the person or it may not have. But it's enough where it's circling in my head of like, ooh, it's kind of a little yellow flag, Corinne. Circle back and see how that landed with that person, right? So again, I'm constantly willing to be in that growth mindset of instead of like, I need to land things perfectly every single time I speak, right? I use too many words in a day versus like, oh, what can I learn from this and what can I improve? Like I really try to stay within those, like those constraints. What can I learn from this? What or what did I do well? And what can I improve? And I'm constantly in that place. And I, that goes with the striving for excellence. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that. I think I do that often too, because words matter for me also. I would say one of the things that we have to be cautious of in that regard is to make sure you're not doing it from a people pleasing or like you like to say, approval whoring scenario, because I've been caught in that where I'm like, oh, that didn't sound like I was very kind to that person or, you know, whatever the scenario was. So I think that that's just a, something to be aware of is where is it coming from? So, and I do that often and now I do it less because I'm, I'm recovering people pleaser. <laughs> I have lots of things that I'm working on, but it's always good for pause. I think a lot of reflection is good but it goes back to trusting yourself and loving yourself and having compassion and being curious. I think that that's, those are key parts and I'm not awesome at it every day, every second. So I fall down and then I just learn exactly like you. But here's the thing. Are you supposed to be awesome at it every day, every second? Because where's the contrast then, right? Like if you're awesome at it every day, every second, there's no contrast to help you give you perspective. Right. And then we get on that hedonic treadmill. So the thing that we were striving for and then achieved becomes we don't appreciate it so much. Right. Because we're like, well, this is just normal. This is the same versus like really having the perspective of here are the you know really good things in my life and really work on appreciating that. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. So. My my way of getting perspective and hopefully this doesn't happen for a, a, a long time, but. 
I'm pretty resilient when it comes to, you know, being sick and having colds and stuff. And sometimes just we'll just say plain out stupid because I used to like, oh no, I'm not sick and I'll just work really hard. But one area that just takes me down at my knees is getting a sore throat. Like a sore throat is so painful for me. It is just, you know, because you're constantly swallowing, talking is hard. So sore throat is just my Achilles heel. And every time I have a sore throat, I go, oh, I haven't been appreciating swallowing, right? Because I take it for granted. I, I don't think about it. The only time I think about it is that time that I have the sore throat. And then I realize, wow, 99% of the time, it's something that I don't even appreciate because I have it. Right. 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 So that's why I think contrast can be great is it helps us get perspective. And that's why when I can stay in this other place of, you know, not in shame, but like, as you were talking about earlier, making the most generous assumptions, like when I can be in this place of love and compassion, I have the ability to have perspective. And then it reminds me of what to recognize as working well. And then what are the areas that could be improved? And then the question, do I want to improve it? Right. 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 Well, and that I always think about it from those, you know, it's really just a change management process, right? But it's really, if you think about it, it's some personal change. And I think I brought this up maybe last week too, but you have to have the awareness of something first. You have to be aware of something like, wow, I need help here, or I do this really well, or gosh, I really could do this better. So you have to have awareness. And then that's where you're talking about what's the desire to change. You know, sometimes I feel like I want to eat healthier. Sometimes I don't. I'm like, I don't have desire or capacity to want to do that. I'd rather just eat my dark chocolate covered pretzels. But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> it's dark chocolate though. So I get away with it in my rationale of my head. But anyway, so awareness, desire. And then when you have that desire to change, then I think you you commit to it. Like, what is it? What's your plan? What are you going to do? And I know for me, when I met you for the first time, Corinne, it was like, okay, my commitment is I'm committed to this group and this coaching and this process and this understanding of who I am. And I'm going to commit at this time frame every single, every other week, right? Mm -hmm. That's my commitment to change. And then it's practice, fail, mm -hmm. practice, fail. And that's all it is. I mean, it sounds simple. It's not. How are you at failing? So now that you've added yourself as my client, we've never added you before, but oh, sorry, um, I can't do that. That is, that is your story, not my story to share. But now that we've added you, I do have a question. How are you at failing prior to coaching? Failing for me, it was a challenge because it was more, I had a hard time picking myself back up. Like I would gladiate and beat myself up to the nth degree. I mean, it's ridiculous, but now I catch myself. I catch myself more quickly. And I notice over time that it's even faster. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're not going there. And a lot of it is I go back to Byron Katie and I love what she talks about, right? Is, is she talks about your story, right? Is this true? Is this absolutely true? Who are you without this thought? Right. So that mm -hmm. I instantly go there. Is this true? And so a lot of people I work with too, I'll ask them, how do you know that's absolutely true? Or do you, do you know it to be absolutely true? And so now they repeat it back to me and they're like, I know, Laura, you're going to say, is that absolutely true? <laughs> because it's, we make up these stories in our heads. We just do. We're human. So when you ask about failing, that is, took me a long time to recover. And now it just doesn't. 
And let me just be honest, I fail all the time. I'm constantly having stories or I'm constantly doing, saying things or I'm making a mistake. And this is coming from a woman who's really built a successful life. Thank you, Corinne. (laughs) (laughs) Was that genuine? It was totally genuine. (laughs) And we're going to say thank you. And we're going to say thank you. (laughs) Yes. Notice she had a hard time receiving that. (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't think she's difficult. (laughs) Right. Yes, Corinne could say I'm difficult, but not from a technological standpoint, typically. (laughs) From a different way. Exactly. Exactly. But that, you know, it's so funny because I think people learn, they learn by being difficult. I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying too, because you have to have the lows to have the highs. Otherwise, you'd never know what a high was. And when we go on our vacations, we always say, okay, what's the high and low for the day? And it's just kind of fun. It's hard sometimes to come up with lows, but we force everybody to do it. It could be like you got a blister on your foot from your flip flop or something dumb, but you can't have, a high unless you have a low because you'll never understand it. Well, and this goes back to something that I've talked about in the show and I've talked with you about is that leaders have the ability to have the tension of great things happening in a day and crappy things, right? And when I use leader, it could be, you know, it can be somebody who's in the sweet C-suite. It could be a teacher. It could be a parent. It can be a mom. I mean, as moms, we are leaders, right? We are leading our kids. We are leaders of ourselves. And I think about in a day, there can be great things and there can be really hard things that I'm going through in one day. And I think one of the big things that creates people being difficult is this expectation that if we have it all together, we won't have any bad things happen in a day. And I'm living proof and you are living proof that that is not the case. Because that's one thing I've actually learned too over the last few years is that you can have a goal, but just know that there's going to be crap along the way and it's just going to, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. So if you just own that to say stuff is going to happen, that's going to be negative. It is what it is. And then you just got to move on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all know that I have the swimming world and it's so funny because again, I deal with a lot of you know high achievers and people who really value their time and want certainty. And this is pre-COVID, right? And the last thing that you can ever ask for at a swim meet is certainty, <laughs> right? Because we don't know exactly when a meet's going to, I mean, we can, we have timelines now, but we don't know. And so, but I have all these parents that kind of lose their shit essentially because they want to know. So they become difficult people because they have this attachment to certainty. Like, when is this going to happen? When is my child going to race? And you have to be more fluid because, or agile because, Like, as I explained to them, I go, it's always a miracle that these meets happen. Like, let's think about this. We have a few hundred children or a thousand children, depending on what meet you're at, running around, right, that need to get to an event. Our timing system needs electricity and all the cables are running through water. I mean, it's all wired and stuff, right? It's all, but that water and electricity shouldn't be together. And then we're reliant on a huge volunteer population. Right. So like right there, we have the ingredients for total failure. And the only thing that I ever know is it's kind of like with you and I today on the show is the meat will start and it will end. We will get the meat done. 
And I've been at meets where I remember one time it was like 114 out and we had a three hour delay because of the timing system. And my parents were losing their minds. And I looked at them, I go, this is not our problem. We are the invited guests. We don't have to figure out the meat management. Like that was my perspective I brought of like my stress level would be much higher because I wouldn't want to burden the people that were coming. But because we weren't responsible, I'm like, I like all of you people. We just get to hang out and talk. Is it hot? Yes. And we all have easy ups, right? Like how can I have the perspective of handling this situation? So the commitment to, I think it does take courage to commit to like, okay, no matter what, I'm going to commit to finishing the podcast, finishing this project, finishing the swim meet, whatever it is, and knowing that there's going to be obstacles along the way or finishing the goal, obtaining the goal. And like, I even had a client this week where he hit, like he had a five-year vision plan and he, he, they accomplished most of their goals. Now, some of the goals were done actually at a different company than what they, what he, where he thought it was going to be right five years ago but he still accomplished it. So you've heard me say this a lot of, if not this, then something better. I mean, that's an example, but sometimes we're like, no, but if I said it had to be at this company, it needs to be at this company. Well, but five years is a long time. Things can change in five years, right? But can we stay committed to that longer term goal? So you and I today have a short term goal in terms of being on this podcast together, you know, for me to be at a meet, it may be a four hour, six hour, eight hour, you know, whatever two day thing. But I know that no matter what, the meet is going to happen and we are going to get it done. There may be a three-hour break. You know, I've been in Canada where we've had thunder and lightning, right? And you just pull off and you go in coverage and then you come back and you finish the meet. It's like, that's how you get through these hard times. But I think what happens so often is our self-worth gets tied up into, oh no, these obstacles are happening. So that means I am bad. I'm not worthy. It's not going to happen. And then we show up with that kind of energy, right? So it's that, it goes back to that shame again of I'm not good enough. So I'm going to be frustrated and angry or, you know, judgmental instead of like, okay, shit happens. We'll get through this. Right. Right. That kind of leads to uh, the imposter syndrome, which I'm super passionate about. I do think that that actually is, that's a big deal for imposter syndrome. I think we have visions of what things are supposed to look like and then we don't necessarily reach them. So then we feel like people are going to figure out that we don't even know what we're doing or that we are a fraud or we got this award because people felt sorry for us or whatever it is. (laughs) Okay. Can you tell that's a story I tell myself? But anyway, (laughs) imposter syndrome is such an important piece of, you know, kind of unpacking that. What does that look like? And that ties back all to the worthiness. So who would have thought that we'll have to do a show on that imposter syndrome, but who would have thought that us talking about difficult people was going to go back to shame and the lenses that we see people through and the lenses that we see ourselves through? Who would have thought? Everything goes back to shame. So I'm going to raise my (laughs) hand on that. (laughs) I think I don't know of a person that feels strong in their worth and doesn't have those moments of being a difficult person because it's tied back to shame or it's tied back to worthiness or whatever it is, but it's how long you carry that with too. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also like, cause you know, what I try to do this today was have compassion. Like, it's okay. We're going to figure this out. Like, you know, in giving you some, let's try this, let's try that. Right. So 
and compassion is the antidote to shame. Well, if you give me compassion, how did I respond and react to you giving me compassion? How did you? Right. That's what I'm saying. Not very well. Because I even threw out the word F and I didn't even say the word because I don't, I'm not a big swearer, but so I was so frustrated. So even you giving me compassion, I didn't have compassion for myself. Yeah, but we were able to get this interview done. True. Right. Like, I mean, you were pretty frazzled coming in, you know, and, and then I, you know, throw you under the bus on the show and call you, put you, give you a label of difficult person. And then I think we've had a really good conversation here today. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right. So this is an example of like real time. I mean, they're going to listen to a taping of this, but real time of what happens in a difficult situation, right? Where somebody's own desire to do really well can get in the way, right? And I just, I showed up with compassion, like versus if I were like, oh, come on, Lord, you're not respecting my time. Or even if I didn't say that, but I just had that like tenseness, you would feel that. And I would, my hunch is there would be a disconnection between the two of us as we did this. We could have this conversation, but there would be a disconnection. And I don't think this, this conversation would have been as vibrant. Corinne, I think with that last comment, you can just drop the microphone because I do think that that's the pinnacle point of how we want to end this because it's all in how you respond to others and respond to yourself, right? That's going to allow us to be effective (laughs) at the end of the day. Well, thank you for giving us a case study. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was not intentional, but... See, I told you I fail all the time. And and I think the best part is I thought I was going to be so ready. You know, I signed in like 10 or 12 minutes early. I had both computers. I mean, my vision was clearly this. I was going to nail it. And then it just went to hell in a handbasket. But did it really? Well, the technology did. Because now I sound like a tin can. You sound amazing. But that's okay. But... Like we're laughing, we're having fun, we're, you know, we're, we're connecting stuff. Like I know my brain is like, Ooh, there were things that I hadn't seen until we were talking today. Right. Like, so like, did it really go to hell in a handbasket or is this a live example of if not this, then something better? Very true. Very true. Plus the good news is we might entice people to want to come back for the next week. Cause they're going to say, did Laura get her crap together in order to get <laughs> the best technology <laughs> so that we can see if she actually sounds like she's still in a tin can. See, there are advantages. All right. <laughs> Laura and I had a lot of fun on that. A couple things. One is to clarify I don't think that Laura is difficult. And if I did, and I had that judgment of her, and I had that judgment of her being difficult this morning, it would have added stress to my life. And I have enough stress in my life. I don't need to add any more pain, especially dirty pain. We had technology issues. That is par for the course. You know, I've been doing this a really long time. And even if I haven't, like my invitation for you is when you come across obstacles, when you come across difficult people, even if you don't have experience in that scenario, you have experience in another arena. And thinking about what's the most generous assumption that you can make about that person, about what they may be going through so that there's less cost to you. 
right? And like we talked about, there's always going to be the constraints around time, how to get things done, because time is something that is not a renewable resource, right? That is something that is actually truly, really scarce. We can't renew it as we move each day into the future. We'll never get that day back and we don't get to add more time. We can make more money, but we don't get to add more time. So with that understanding of that constraint, do you want to be in a lot more pain and suffering or understand that, okay, here are these obstacles and how do I get through it? So I appreciate the fact that big shout out to Laura for being willing to use as an example, right? Sharing her story and us walking you through that of what it looks like. And whether it's having humor, not sarcasm at, you know, in spite of somebody, but humor, like we were laughing with ourselves. And Laura also brought up a really important point that I want to circle back to. She and I have tremendous trust. She knows that I'm 100% on her team. She knows that, right? So it's not that I'm sitting here in a place of judgment. In fact, I've always been her person that's shown up with compassion and empathy, And so she knows that. And so we can put the problem in front of us and work through it. And I love how we were able to unpack of, okay, even though she was at a nine and even though I showed up with compassion, it didn't mean that, oh, the magic wand is wave. I'm the fairy godmother and there went away her stress. But what it did allow for us was to eventually move into and do the show, which I think turned out to be a really great show between the two of us and a great conversation for you all. And I have to be honest, and I didn't say this with her, but I know she'll be listening. I will be honest with you. Like there was a part of me that thought, hmm, will she be able to transition her energy from the stress to being able to be her truest expression of herself, because she has so much to offer you all. And she has such valuable wisdom and insight. And that's one of the reasons why I'm excited to talk with her. I love having conversations with her and to be able to showcase those with you all. But I did wonder that. And that was also part of went, okay, maybe it'd be great for her to take a break and come back in six hours and then we'll do it again. And if she can get the microphone, but realizing that the microphone still wouldn't be set up we're already here. What's easiest was to get it done and being okay that maybe the sound doesn't sound as great this time, but we're going to get better at it. That's my goal in life is to continuously work at getting better at it. And it's not linear, right? It's getting better, but it's circular. Like when I talk about spiral learning or about how we actually change, sometimes you're up at the top, but as your spiral, right, the spiral learning, the spiral comes back down. So I'm always okay with, well, not always okay. Let's, let's preface that. Let's be really real. When I can be my best self, when I can be grounded and trust myself, I'm like, Hey, there may be some people that we may lose listeners that say, you know what? You guys can't get it together. I'm out. That's okay. And then that's for some of you, you may be like some of my clients who go, Oh, see, I'm not the only one that struggles because we all, we all have our falling down moments. Laura called them as failures. I like to call them as falling down moments. And I like to be able to bounce back, right? There's some things that we can't bounce back from, death being one of them. But we can bounce back from, we don't have a microphone today and that's okay. What's the most important thing? That we have this rich conversation about how do we deal with difficult people? How do we overcome that? The fairy tale, the magical thinking solution is I'm just not going to have difficult people. I'm going to get to that job. I'm going to be in that relationship. I'm going to, 
you know, cut out my family. I'm going to build up these boundaries so I never have to deal with difficult people. But here's the thing. There's always going to be difficult people. And some of it is how do we choose to see them? And some of it is how do they choose to show up? And then we get to decide what kind of interaction we want to take. All right. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Karen, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short. They're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life. Because people often want to know what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.